Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, beautiful human. Thank you so much for letting us into your ears today. I really do appreciate it. We're about to get to know Edie. She started Nickelodeon. She's a singer. Her debut album out now? Well, maybe it's an EP. I'll ask her. She's going to be here in a second. Also, please subscribe to our podcast, share what things you care about, and let us know who you should interview next at Sex Hang Show on any form of social media. Okay, here's Edie. Hello, beautiful human. My name is Zach. That is Dan. We welcome to the studio... Hey! Hey! Did I say that correct? You did. I'm actually thoroughly surprised. I was on the edge of my seat. Uh, well, I have. I, I don't want to like ruin it, but I definitely have a pronunciation. Like uh, it's broken down phonetically. In how front is of my it? Face. How is it phonetically broken down? Capital E E hyphen D E E. That's so lit. E D. <laughs> I love that. So yeah. Is that that's like? Right. A, is that a gut? Like, a, is that your Christian name, as they say? Like, is that a legal thing, or is this an artist persona moniker? We'll roll with whatever, whatever. <laughs> well, that's not an answer. That's it. No, that's my answer. No, it's my last name. It's a oh. German heritage. So it's actually pronounced Udu. Oh, sad. I recently found this out because I was in a car and this guy was like, oh, your last name's Edie, right? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, do you know how to pronounce it? And I was like, the fuck Edie? He's like, no. And I was like... What, what is it? Why is the Y... Udu. Why is the Y... Udu? Don't ask me. It's German. Okay. I couldn't tell you why. I couldn't. I know. I don't know German other than the word Scheiser. <laughs> Thanks, Gaga. <laughs> That's all I got. So, do you change the way you live now? Yeah, my whole life has changed. Everything. <coughs> I can tell you're a different person. Yeah. I met you yesterday for the first time ever. Now I see you again 24 hours later. I mean, Oodle. you seem different. Yeah. Thank you. You guys mm. met yesterday. We did. I went to go see her perform at a really this a really great sounding venue. Yeah. Quality acoustics in Solid. this place. You sounded spectacular. Thank you, mate. I appreciate that. You do a Thank great- Thank you for coming. You do a great show. That was a lot of fun. Sometimes I like to leave my house. It's very rare. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. It's, it's, okay. it's, it's a process. Or usually when I'm out, like then I'll just keep going out because an object in motion stays in motion. Yes. Yes. Mm -mm -mm. But I was surprised to hear that you have an accent. Like that was- You took me for a loop. I didn't know. <laughs> So you are half Filipino, half Australian, but you moved to America when you were two. What's the deal here? Why do we still have, do we have an accent by choice? Do, do so we lose bizarre, an mate. accent, but we want to tap back into it? Like, it's really weird. I won't even lie. So I was born in Australia. Yes. Where? In Sydney. Okay, cool. Randwick. If we're going to get specific. I mean, if you want to. Yeah, we can get specific. <laughs> Randwick. Give, give your address if you're going to go this far. <laughs> 
Let's put it in the my, lower third. My family might murder you. Jesus. I'm no, you don't need to wear growing. those if you don't want. Okay, you can literally that. do whatever you want. Fuck that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You're fine. Yeah, no, so I was born in Sydney. Um, I moved to the States when I was around two, maybe three. No one really knows for sure. Wow. Around that time, um, we moved around a lot. My parents like to move. That's just part of their journey. Um and we spent we would go half and half so like a lot of my family is still in sydney my parents are in sydney right now ah so i spend the majority of my time if i'm not working there got it so that's why the accent's there and then i pretty much didn't have it most of my childhood other than the fact that like my two older brothers had accents so like very certain words i had like no words like certain pretty much was like there other than that, like I was just an American child. And then during the pandemic, I moved back for around a year. So it kicks back in. And then it kicked back in full force. Do you feel like you could get rid of it if you wanted to? But Yeah. You, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, because I mean, on I Nickelodeon, you were... Yeah, no. Well, at that point, I, I had a fully American accent. Yeah, you were... None of those shows, you were an Australian person. No. Right? Just confirm. <laughs> Literally none of them. Also, but like, I, I feel like even when I saw you speak in, like, press, which I don't even know if I saw you do any press, such an interesting time of Nickelodeon in my life. Yeah. Like, I was so disconnected from the network. Like, like did you talk in an American accent when you were... Fully. Yeah, yeah. Even in press? No. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. No. Really? Well, I had an American accent. <laughs> Well, it was literally in 2020 when I moved back that okay. I spent like a year there that it just came back full swing. Wait, and so then this I is did, relatively new. It's relatively new for sure. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's weird. Don't, it's weird. I can Don't unpack, look into it. Don't I can look into literally it. unpack this all day. I could too, quite I, frankly. <laughs> I haven't spent the time to do so because I'm like, well, shit, I don't want to lose it. It's sick as fuck. Yes. <laughs> But I did do a musical in December of last year where I was fully American. I sounded like this and I was like fully, I was a little girl. I lived in the Midwest. I was a farmer and fully American. And after that point, I definitely lost the accent. Like this is as weak as it's been in a long time. This is. But I'm about to go back. I'm going back in December for a long time. For how long? How probably, long? probably like two two months. Wow! I'm making sure my manager doesn't murder me for. Why not? Because like, <laughs> whenever I go to Australia, I kind of go mute. Well, I just like don't answer. Well, to be honest, like it's really hard. To, <laughs> one of my best friends is currently there, and it's really hard to communicate with people over there because the time difference is so yeah. different. Yeah, no, it's so different. Fully, like I mean, my parents are there. If I were to talk to them, I'd probably. What time is it? It's like four p.m. They're maybe yeah. just waking up. Yeah, 9 a.m., 4 o'clock yeah. here. Yeah, it's something like that. It's it's horrendous. But you have yeah. so much going for you right now here in America with the music and everything. Why are you going to spend two months in Australia? Quite frankly, I just like to ground myself there. Mm. And as an artist, I think it's, like, really important. Like, for me, my focus isn't, like, traction, momentum, whatever it may be. Like, my focus is my artistry and whatever inspires me and whatever is grounding and that's really unfortunate because a lot of the times it doesn't necessarily align with like <laughs> momentum, but like hopefully we'll do some shows there and we'll figure it out. But for me, like I just love spending time there. It's home. So yeah, it's not that exciting. <laughs> the accent is though, it is wild. You can sound whatever, you can sound however you want. Do you ever think that? Like you can, like speak in an American accent, please. Okay. <laughs> Ask her the next question and yeah. answer it. I'll fully, I'll answer the next, I'll do my best. <laughs> I'll do my best. I want, I, want, I want you to do whatever's natural to you. And if your accent, as it exists today, 
It's natural. I'm a shapeshifter. I'll do whatever the fuck. Yeah, but yet you're writing music that is ripped from your reality now. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, though, is our realities are ever evolving. Our realities are ever changing. Who you are today isn't who you were yesterday. And that's the beauty in being human. But we a lot of the times we don't respect that. We don't respect that evolution, that natural change. And that's like, that's what like, so Alter, the first single that I came out with for this project was literally about that. It's literally about feeling trapped in your identity of who you are and who you allow yourself to be perceived as and not knowing where to go and not knowing if you fall back into who you were, if you accept yourself for who you are today. Like it's all about that identity and that shape-shifting aspect. And that's the thing is I think like if you look at, you know, like David Bowie and Prince and Gaga and like all these quote unquote like crazy artists. These are all people who have mastered the art of like shape-shifting. But I think that they've just mastered the art of being a human being and liberating themselves from that idea of like, oh, today I want to wear fucking pants and heels and like this kimono from this iconic uh, New York based whatever. And the next day I can wear a skirt and like, you know, like yeah. we can shapeshift and we're allowed to be different than who we were yesterday. And I think that that's really cool. And I think it's important to respect that. Hell yeah. So old her, is that a record that you write after you re- like let go of the past or mm. is it something that you're writing while you're in the process of letting go i mean this whole this whole project really was before all these thoughts really came into fruition i mean like the way i explained it the other day was like it was an intellectualization of what i was about to go through and i could theoreticize all these ideas and all these thoughts of who i am as a person in the world and all these people but i didn't feel it and then once the pandemic kicked in and I was like trapped in a little island country called Australia and I was like, just like doing my thing, all of a sudden everything fucking hit me. Mm. And at that moment, it was like everything that I'd intellectualized, everything that I'd thought about and that I could write on paper became actual emotions. And that was when, and that's why the project took so long to put together was because it was like, I wrote all the songs in 2019. Almost every single one of those songs was done in 2019. But the importance for me is like, everything aligns the musicality and every aspect every element musically has to align with what the lyrics are saying and the production wasn't there yet because i wasn't there yet but the lyric so do the lyrics stay the same from 2019 to when you go back and reproduce it yeah yeah but the only the only lyrics that were added between 2019 and today were the human interlude which was written in 2020 middle of the pandemic and the end of normal to feel which is the skeletons in my line and still i feel nothing inside skeletons in my line but i'm the one who's dead inside those are the only lyrics that were added in that entire time frame so when you write the songs in 2019 are you writing based on where you're at then or are you essentially kind of manifesting through song where you're going honestly i couldn't entirely tell you it's one of those things like I've always looked at art and music as one of those things where like you are the medium of transportation and what you need to say will come through you if you let it and lyrically it was all there but emotionally I wasn't quite in that place yet which is a really weird thing to kind of come to terms with because you're like well how can you not feel it if you can think it Mm. but that's kind of the way that I work and like being in the industry at such a young age like I started working at six years old 
which was by choice. Like, I loved it. I thought there was something so cool about, like, embodying a character and doing whatever it took to, like, get in that headspace. But when you do that at such a young age, you kind of lose track of what you actually feel as a human being. Yeah, and who you are. Yeah. And so I could intellectualize all these feelings and intellectualize what I think I feel, but then actually feeling it is a whole other experience. And that's why the production, like if you listen to all the songs first draft and like as they evolved, they, in my opinion, took such a turn, but it was all just kind of reductionism. And it was like, oh, we're going to do all these different things. We're going to try all this different shit. And now I'm going to cut back and I'm going to cut back and I'm going to cut back and I'm going to cut all the fat until it's exactly what it feels like is truth. It's an interesting way to work, but I get it. Mm. And that's the thing is like, that was the process for this project. And I don't know if that'll be the process for the next project. But is this a project that is ripped from your genuine self that was true in that moment? Or is it you internalizing and becoming another character? No, that's the importance of this project was... Every single song, there were so many songs that I wrote from kind of this character basis, but every single song that I decided to keep on this project, because initially this was going to be an album. Mm. Initially it was going to be a two-pad album. I was going to drop the first half and then I was going to drop the second half. And, and how do we get to an EP instead? Truth. It was just what I needed to do. And by the time I had gone through every single song and I was in the headspace where I was allowed to feel what was true to me at that time, we were at nine songs and it was exactly how it flows right now. Like I spent maybe three months in Australia, just like living, like spending time with family, going to the beach, like just being a human being and getting in touch with who I was. And then once I kind of freed myself from the pressure of like being in a character, being in the headspace of perfectionism, I was like, okay, what actually feels right? And I'd, I think I may have spent like a month just like sitting at my computer in Sydney putting every single one of these songs in order trying it with the initial two singles that I'd put out taking them out putting them in trying new versions of them like there were so many iterations of this project that no one's ever heard that were all experimented on in Sydney and then it was all just cutting the fat and cutting the fat and it ended up being an EP because that was just what felt right and that was like the really big learning experience was respecting your intuition as an artist and as a person so is it fair to say that the character you were playing a character before but the truest form of yourself is here today like nickelodeon you were playing a character obviously yeah, yeah. for work but outside of that you know i think it's kind of a funny juxtaposition because if you are so deeply it's almost like method acting, if you think about it. If you are so deeply invested in a character, where's the separation between you and that character? Yeah, but what it's is all the, relative. Yeah, but what is, the, is the character what you're playing on screen or the character that Nickelodeon forces you to play even when you're not in wardrobe and on a soundstage? Because there's layers to that. And, and exactly. I, don't, I don't mean to disrespect Haunted Hathaways, no, no, but no, that, no. that's not like a... You know what I mean? You know I don't think how, you how, deep, how deep do you gotta go to, to pull that shit off? No, for uh, sure. Daniel Day-Lewis? No, but here's the thing, though, is it's all relative. Yeah. You don't know... It's like you don't know you're in the worst of it until you're out of it. You know what I mean? And, I totally get... I, yeah, I mean, trust me, I work there. They're crazy. <laughs> it's it's an experience. It's a, it's a learning experience, and you learn a, a lot about yourself, and you learn a lot about who you don't want to be. 
And, True. you know, I don't think I could honestly say I was playing a character, but I don't honestly say, I don't think that I can honestly say that I wasn't. I get it. I understand that. It's a weird headspace to be in. I think there's just something linked to this accent, you know? I really do. Me too. I mean, the only other time people wake up with freaking accents is when they like have strokes, okay? Or they get like hit by a car. Are you saying I had a stroke? No, 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 and then they wake up and then they wake up and they get like speaking a different accent or speaking a different language. Have you ever seen that? (gasps) No, I've never seen that. I'll send you a special. Please send me a special on it because I'm thoroughly invested because maybe I did have a stroke. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. Please send help. Is it all tied together? Shit. You may have just cracked the code right there. <laughs> no, I do. F- I just find it really fascinating because the truth is, like, w- with a job like being a kid actor on you're on two shows over there, there is like there's expectation and there's so much more to that job that mm. that happens like during your shoot days and your table yeah. reads. You know, there's promo and there's press yeah. and there's 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 so many things, especially at the time that I was there because social media was just becoming a thing well yeah and like, they were like trying to survive and like they were coming off yeah the, the, they were it coming was it was off. the kind of closing era yes for nick yes for sure by the way coming yeah. off of the most iconic run iCarly and victorious yeah they lead right into you guys yeah and like sam and cat do only a season mm-hmm. and i don't even know did you overlap with sam and cat or well, were you I did. right after i i was actually i was I came for a shoot day there when we finished wrapping. Somebody was like, oh, do you want to come? Because they shot on Sunset, which yeah. was, we shot at Paramount. So we were literally right next door. And I yeah, all it was this. full overlap. Wow. Which was very surreal as like a child being like, oh, shit, Sam and Gat, this is lit. <laughs> but that was the only overlap. It didn't overlap with Victorious. It was yeah. like, God, I remember that. It was just the end phase of Victorious because they'd still had the setup when I was there. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Because I like, shot a couple things over there. So like 2013. Yeah, we shot the pilot in 2012. Yeah, it makes sense. Did you enjoy your time at Nickelodeon? I did. I think I did. You think you did? I, honestly, it's kind of a block down in my memory. I feel that mm. very much. So, you know, it's like any, it's a job. And I treated it like a job. I knew the boundaries. Like I understood that I came there to work. And it wasn't just like playful, have fun, you're a 10 year old kid and, you know, we're just having a jolly good time, which a lot of the times it was a super fun time within the bounds of it being a job. I get it. Yeah. I do. I mean, it it being a job makes it hard to make friends, even though you're working with a bunch of other kids. Yeah. And I mean, there's also just, it's weird. Everybody, when you're in the industry, like everybody wants something more oh totally and so it's it's also hard to make friends in that environment yeah because it's competitive and by the way you're yeah. competing with each other even even on your own show for screen time and yeah. more lines and the parents are the ones probably uh, you know doing most of the fighting sure yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> you don't need to say anything i yeah. know you know i you know uh, the ways I, you know yeah sadly it's like feels like a whole other lifetime though to be honest with you actually though and i blocked a lot of it out and at your show i saw a nick an, 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 no she still works there a nickelodeon executive and like i was hit with like you know what i mean you, you see a face yeah, yeah and yeah. you're like oh my like 
I know I, exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> I, I worked with this person for 20,000 hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, we really, like... But she's the best. She's amazing. She's the best. It was just everything else that comes around Yeah, no. Her. Yeah, yeah. It all, it's all the, the association. <laughs> so bad. Um, I'm very fascinated on music and why you chose... I mean, yes, you're making music, but is it always something you wanted to do? And I think why is a dumb question, but more from what angle did you want to make music? Mm. So when I was six, I saw a Gaga concert. And that was a full game changer, full life changer. Because at six years old, I could relate to like, God, what was she like? Maybe 23 at the time. It's 23 year old girl on this stage, surrounded by 17,000 people in an arena. And yet I still feel like she is talking to me. And there is something so wild about that experience. And there are very few artists who do that, who can emit that energy with me today. And I think there's something so special about that. And the fact that she could do that kind of through this interdisciplinary approach with music, with performance, performance art, the way that she presented herself through like makeup and hair and fashion. Like there were so many elements to it that I found so fascinating, but it was all unconscious. I was fucking six years old, but there was something so cool about it. So music was really the reason why I got into acting was because like through that, I then went home and I'd blast music on my like weird little like iPod blast. It would be like on a a 0.2 decibel scale today, but I would like blast music on my little iPod shuffle and I'd be in my room standing in the mirror just like, yeah, this is so much fun. I love this. This is the best time ever. And through that, I told my parents, I was like, I want to like do things. And when I was a kid, I was extremely shy. Like I didn't want to talk to anybody I didn't want to talk to anyone I didn't want to interact with anyone I wanted to sit in my room all day long but the only way that I could get out of my room was like I would go to a tree in the neighborhood and I would pretend like I was on like a boat or I was on a set or I was like a character and I would like create this entire world in this fucking tree and I would like cut off branches and make like doors and openings and I would like create this full set in my brain and that was so liberating to me as just a human being to feel like I wasn't trapped in my identity of who I was as a six-year-old girl and so through that then I got into acting and I started acting heaps and acting was kind of like the first avenue that took place because I auditioned for Kids Bob and I was like seven and And they were like, you're too young. I'm sorry. And I was like, fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you, kids, Bob. (laughs) And then I got on a next show and I was like, take that. (laughs) Way cooler. (laughs) I do think that there's there's so many things, like the baggage attached to your accent is real. I want to siphle through it, but I'm not going to. I mean, go for it. Well, I mean, because, I feel like this is like a therapy session. No, because you're, like you're talking about like identity. I'm just so fascinated in the way your brain works. I'm like mesmerized. Sorry, oh, you guys thank you, keep man. going. No, no, no. I, I want to know, like, do you think talent is acquired or is it like possessed at birth? Um, like Lady Gaga, what makes her a great performer like that? Like to, to make you feel like in a room of 17,000 people, she was talking right to you. Is that something that's acquired, like a skill? Mm. Or is that something that she's 
given, you know, when she exits the womb? It's a balance. I think everything's a balance. I think, you know, Gaga was one of the few people who was born with an affinity towards music and through an, an affinity towards performance. And I think through that, she didn't, she couldn't not be the person that she is. And if she wasn't that person, it's so heartbreaking as an artist to not be respective towards your intuition. And through that, the only way to embody this person that you know you are, you have to work for that. And you have to be willing to experience pain for that. You have to be willing to experience and undergo extreme circumstances to be that person. So do you accept that in your own life? I'm working on it. I'm trying. I mean, is there a want to be famous? Yeah, right? Honestly, no. My... The thing that drives me, and this is what's interesting, is like I've done heaps of things where I came out of the other side being like, I hate that I just did that. That was so against who I am. Like the way that it was done was against my artistry. The way that I told that story was against my artistry. The performance aspect of it, the visual aspect of it, and those are crucial because at that moment you learn this is the consequence of not respecting your artistry. This is the consequence of not respecting your humanity. And you have the choice. Do you experience the pain of potentially all these people being, oh, well, that was shit. And like, oh, your choice, which is now solely on you, your choice to do that wasn't good enough. Or do you go with the safe option of, well, you know, I could do what this person told me to do and it may or may not work, but it goes against every fiber of my being. And I've had those experiences and I now know that I cannot do that. My focus as an artist is to liberate myself from any sort of external pressure and to be the person that is truthful in that very moment, which is ever evolving and ever changing. That's my goal. So do you feel like acting jeopardizes that? No. I think acting is liberating in that sense because I get to let go of this person and I get to take all the experiences of this person and utilize that to tell another person's story and liberate them. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get it. It's a really weird methodology but I really like I think acting I've always looked at acting and and music not necessarily hand in hand but I look at them as disciplines that are very similar in the liberation aspect of them when you're going into a session are you like are you making a conscious effort to go in as pure and as present as possible oh yeah that's when oh it's such an interesting thing like I Every kind of process is different for everybody. And when I was initially writing these songs, I was coming in with typically like guitar pieces or like, mm. like uncomfortable. I came in with a hook for that. And I knew that that's what I wanted to do for the hook. And I knew the entire guitar part of the entire song. I shouldn't know what the lyrics necessarily meant yet. And I didn't know what the verses were going to be and if there was going to be a pre-chorus. And, you know, so it's kind of just like unpacking that. But... 
like I did a musical last December, which we're still working on, but that was the first iteration of it called Wild. And I never thought I'd be in, in a musical in my entire lifetime. I was always like, eh, you know, that's not my vocal journey. <laughs> like, that's just not what sounds good for, m for my vocal capabilities. And so I always kind of just like shut that aspect out. And it's also from a, a young perspective, you look at it and you're like, oh, it's this very exaggerated piece of art where, you know, you're talking and then all of a sudden you're in a song and you're just fucking mm. singing and dancing and you've got all these people around you and like, that's theater. So why'd you do it? I did it because I had to walk through the open doors. And that's now uh, kind of this motto that I'm currently living by at this stage of my life where there was literally no reason why I shouldn't have done it. And because of that, I had to do it. And the second I started doing it, and I also, you know, I don't, I try my best not to do anything half-assed. That's, I hate that. That is like, that will rot away at my soul for the rest of my eternity if I do anything half-assed. So like, with that, the second I got there, I was like, I'm in a room with Adina Menzel. <laughs> like, I I can't fucking half-ass this. Like, this is serious shit. And uh, Adina Menzel is one of the greatest voices of, I don't know, all time. One it's of the wild. pioneers of Broadway. I mean, she's like, there's, uh, there's literally nobody like her. No, it's remarkable. When yeah. she hits that range of her voice, oh, it's nuts. And it's crazy to experience that every night. That's... And to like sing with her and look at her in the eye and be like, <laughs> fuck, you're my mom. <laughs> like, it's crazy. And so like doing that every night. And it was in Massachusetts. It was in, yeah, it was in Boston. So will you do it again? We're or? doing another iteration. Where? Ideally New York, but we'll see. With Adina? Yeah. Adina's like very hands-on with it. You know, she, she, wrote it with Justin Tranter, who I write a lot of music with. Oh, amazing. Through Justin and Caroline, who I wrote Normal to Feel and Old Her with. Wow. Um, and Eve Ensler and, and the whole squad. But they, yeah, like she's very hands-on with it and she wants to be a part of it. It's all just kind of scheduling. So That's now we're cool. just, we're putting it all together and it's really exciting. But like that experience, which only lasted maybe four weeks, was like such a learning curve for me in terms of like being present as an artist because if you're doing theater every night you're performing the same script every night you're wearing the same outfit you're uh, doing the same song eight shows a week eight shows a week there are no iterations if there are somebody's going to come up to you and be like here are the show notes you didn't do that <laughs> so like that taught me a lot about being present and i looked at shows as like a meditation and by the time we ended those shows i was like this is a a literal form of meditation and if you are not in that meditative state you're going to fuck up, at least for me. I get that because you have to kind of, it's very like elite athlete, where you yeah. have to just enter yeah. into this flow state where mm -hmm. you're not yourself. You just have to run on autopilot because there's so many things that are so meticulous and detailed and like cues that need to be, like you you can't be thinking about anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Sick. Nah, it was wild. I mean, scary. Well, it's scary for sure. But that's the thing is you can't get wrapped up in the scary thoughts and what could go wrong. You just have to be present. You have to be that person on that stage. Walk through the open doors. That's right. You got to listen to Send Help. That is Edie's EP. There's a link in the description below. Listen to it. I don't feel like I'm smart enough for this conversation. No, I think Jesus you Christ. are, Dan. Nah, come on. No, but like some of the lyrics are very fascinating. Like, what's the fun and truth you talk about having a bottle under your bed? Mm. Are these all real experiences? 
I will not exploit myself on camera as I am 19 years of age <laughs> and we are here in America. Mm. Oh. So you can't only, you Okay, I get it. I see what you're putting down. I see it. Well, let's just pretend we're in Australia. All right, cool. We're yeah, in this Sydney. Is, this is the Kyle and Jackie O show. <laughs> I'm Kyle. He's Jackie, Jackie O. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle's here. Uh, sometimes, yeah. He I was going to say, I'm pretty sure he's here. Hey. You're definitely friends with him. No, I'm not. I think you. you I would love to be friends with him. squash. No I way. I really wish I was. God, I love Dudes of. He seems like a legend. Oh, he is. Mitch Churi is a good guy, too. Shout out to Mitch. He does a night show on Kiss National. Anyway, we're not there. Will you have any other questions? I. We're not going to talk about the bottle under her bed. <laughs> it's in your lyrics. It's I know. Like you right. Yeah, you did it up. first, technically. <laughs> well, you're, you're. I keep it in Enigma. <laughs> I like that. It's a good answer. Keep me thinking. <laughs> well, you also talk about prescription drugs that kids are taking. Yeah. All right, we'll keep that one in there. Well, but why, no, is, I'll, it, I'll, but I'll why is that? Even why is that important? Why are all like? By the way, like talking about anything, whether it's vices or addiction, it, that there's conscious thought that goes into including that. Correct. Yeah. 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 It, like it took three years to put together. I'm not just like throwing on a random song yeah. into the project. Um. With Never Too Young specifically, that came from a place of like, at the time I was 16 years old writing that song and multiple people in my friend group were prescribed drugs that are highly addictive. And I have a very specific perspective on mental health and how we treat it, especially here in America and Big Firma which I won't thoroughly get into, but my general perspective on it is through drugs, we are treating the byproduct of a deeper issue. And we're not taking the time and we're not spending the resources and energy on approaching mental health through the root of the issue. And I think that drugs have a place and they're very important for many people to get to a better place, but we're treating it as a full-fledged problem solver and that's not the case it's simply just a band-aid and this song was actually written about one of my best friends who was dating this girl at the time and her parents were like extremely strict so like the whole verses are kind of written from that perspective and then the chorus came about through like the prescription drug drugs aspect which is kind of a, a weird uh correlator for the song but ultimately it's about you know I'm 16 and there's always this weird when you're a younger person in society there's always this weird pressure of like oh you're too young to experience this you're too young to experience heartbreak you're too young to be depressed you're too young to have these issues so the song is really just about kind of this patronizing approach to young people experiencing life and when in actuality, the second we're born, we're all human and therefore we are prone and we're allowed to have these human experiences, which is love, heartbreak, uh, addiction, depression, mental health issues. Like that's really what that song embodies. And it's it's kind of just this witty, lighthearted take on all of that, if that answers your question. No, it absolutely does. And also like when I was, I, you wrote these three years ago, you were 16 at the time. Mm -hmm. I was thinking, how is a 16 year old writing this? But you just basically changed my mind. Hey, let's go. That's what you're here to do. Yeah, I hope so. 
You gotta listen to the EP. Experience it for yourself. Come on, baby. Listen to it all the way through. Not on shuffle. No, listen top to bottom. Send help. There's a link in the description below. Appreciate you. I appreciate you. Yeah. For so many conversations. I can feel it. Definitely. I really, I I can feel it in my heart. What are you thinking? Does being on School of Rock, did that have any effect on who you became as a musician or you completely separate everything? No. <laughs> That's a good fucking question. Was there, Look even, it, was there even real music in School of Rock? Um, there were, as in real music, do you mean like original music? No, like like were, you, was, were people playing real instruments on that set? Everyone learned the parts. <laughs> so nobody used any doubles? I'm not going to answer that question. Oh, yeah? But... <laughs> Everyone knew the parts that they were supposed to be playing. We're shooting. I mean, here's the what thing. Were, like, you, were you playing a string instrument? I played the bass. That's it. So, so I definitely pl- played the easiest instrument of them all. I do remember your characters. I do. Like, because I remember, <laughs> I remember like being like, I need to get the fuck out of Nickelodeon. And, um, and they just kept pulling me back to do the most stupid shit. <laughs> and like, I, I remember being, you shot at Paramount. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, Stage 18, yeah, I five remem- years of my life. I re- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I remember you, but you were so young. I remember yeah. you being like, you were so tiny and adorable. And you had these huge eyes. That was you, right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember you. Yeah, that yeah. was me. How do you feel about our eyes today? I mean... Are they still humongous? I mean, no, I mean, they, they you've grown into them. <laughs> so, congratulations. <laughs> It'd be weird if you didn't, no? Yeah, fair enough. If they were still like 75% of your whole face. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but to like answer your question, I think that everything anyone does plays a huge role in who you become, whether or not you consciously recognize it or not. So, like, of course it played a really large role in my artistry and that without that I literally wouldn't be the person that I am mm-hmm. so yes in f- as far as like direct influences go I wasn't like oh yeah I'm pulling from school of rock right <laughs> um, what would Dewey do here yeah that even- that's what I was thinking I was like damn what would Dewey do in this very moment <laughs> holy shit well, also why send help that title really hits right in the face mm. It was. This was actually an ongoing question because I didn't know what it, what the EP was going to be called. Nothing was screaming at me. Um, originally, I was thinking, frankly, because this project is as direct as my brain will go. It's as literal as my brain will go. Um, and I'm. I typically am very metaphorical when it comes to like songwriting and like I'm super heavy into analogies and not writing direct songs at all but because I was writing Justin Tranter for the majority of the time everything was extremely direct and like this is what we're saying um and the first song Justin and I wrote together was called Send Help mm-hmm. and I was talking to someone from management and they were like well what about Send Help and the second he said that I was like oh yeah, because that was the first time when I wrote that song with Justin, which was the first session I was in with Justin. It was the first time that I realized as an artist, like, it's okay to write about things that are unconventional. And more so, it's important for me as an artist to write things that are unconventional. Because up until that point, I finished sessions and I was like, okay, cool, whatever. Like, I can write cooler shit at home. Are you talking about like people would expect you to write about like boys and relationships yeah. and things like that? And then yeah, you come yeah. out writing about like, school shootings? Yeah. 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 I the conventional 
romantic relationship that most people write about is their truth. And I think that it's really important that people write about their truth. But for me at that time, that was not my truth. Mm. And that's not what I had to say. But yet I was still going into sessions being like, okay, cool. So we're going to write about, okay, great. Great. This is amazing. And then when I went in with Justin, Justin was like, all right, what the fuck do you want to write about? And I was like, oh, wait, I have the reins here. And this is my time to talk about what's important to me. And Send Help was literally about us being addicted to our phones. And now it's the title of my EP. I love it. I use Send Help in casual conversation all the time. That's how it started. Was It was a casual conversation. I was talking about me breaking my wrist, snowboarding. Uh, and I was like, I was up on the top of that mountain and I was like, somebody send help. And Justin was like, that's a great song title. I, I use Send Help for the dumbest things. Yeah. Always. All, right, Carlos Camera? I say it all the time. He's the only one who really listens to me. Dan does uh, not. I listen to you. Thank you so much. I broke my wrist snowboarding once. So it happens to the best of us. We got that in common. Yeah, we can Sick. share that moment. Sick. <laughs> Sick. Pretty br- Sick. gnarly, brah. Gnarly. Listen to Send Help. Link in the description below. You can also listen to Edie's entire catalog on Amazon Music. Right? That's, that's, that's right. That's right. That's right. People can change. Can they? Yes. Mm-hmm. I think that's innate to humanity is we inherently change. But what about people's lack of acceptance of the change? Because I do believe that there are people who will freeze you where they found you. Oh my God, yeah. And you could do all the change in the world, but you can't change somebody's perspective. 100%. But that's on you, not them. Yeah. What, 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 I, I'm doing all the changing <laughs> and, no, and, and those around me. Don't acknowledge the change because they refuse to to see it because they're totally just blinded by what was. But that's, this is the beautiful thing about humanity is you can't expect to change people by sitting there yelling at them going, fucking change, bro. I really do believe in the collective consciousness. And when you take the time to work on yourself and to be a better person, Hmm. That, regardless of whether you perceive it in other people or not, you have given other people the freedom and the liberation to change. And whether or not they're actually doing that in their physical form, who knows? But when they go home at night and they're fucking sleeping, they feel that. You know what I mean? And like, okay, that's, I get it. It's one of those things where it's like, it's so frustrating because I think we all desperately crave the world changing and it's something that we deeply need but at the end of the day like just like you don't like when someone screams at you being like oh these are all my fucking ideas and these are right and you need to do that and you're like fuck that I'm not doing that it's it's likewise it's all reciprocated and also we're all byproducts of our environment so it's really 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 easy to be like screw you you're a horrible person and I hate all your beliefs But at the end of the day, they are merely crafted by their surroundings. And we have to carry empathy. Or at least I do. I I think think it's so crucial to carry empathy for every single person. Because just like me, like I'm just a, a little creature crafted by the things around me. And I'm lucky enough in that I have the awareness to recognize that and to be able to carry empathy for other people. Cause that's, you know, it's like, it's like babies. 
literally we're all just fucking babies at the end of the day and like if you're sitting you're looking at a baby and you're like don't touch the fucking knife i swear to god if you touch a knife i'm gonna kill you like the baby's gonna be like ah! i'm like i don't want to do that fuck this shit no and they're gonna like pick up the knife and run around like you know you look at a baby and you're like look i love you so much and and you know i respect you as an individual but like don't do that and they're gonna be like okay fine and like it's it's like dogs you know what i mean like we're all we're all just fucking primal animals <laughs> but empathy is vital to a civil and thriving society yeah which requires patience well empathy patience i think a universal basic income i think there's a lot of there's things that people it, for uh, sure. need yeah but I, by the way i think a lot of change in society only comes through empathy mm. and an understanding and lack of understanding is what plagues all the change makers in society or most of them at least you yeah. know the ones in government that have the ability to redirect funds and make our everyday reality a little bit better yeah but until until change comes from the government art is here to help us forget it is or to also realize and also to understand listen to send help and if anyone can send help my way <laughs> i beg link in the description below final thoughts I'm excited to go back and re-listen to this now that we've talked to you. He's gonna go oh, learn. Thank you, man. I'm like he has to Google afterwards. Yeah, said. that's what I mean. Like I'm not lying. I felt dumb as shit. I'm gonna go home and, like think about this. I sit in my room by myself. I'm like, what the hell did I just if, do? If I sit in your room, you mean just your apartment? Yeah, my it's... own air-conditioned studio apartment. Oh, geez, well, how are get... you surviving? He's not he's struggling. He's not. He's, he's simply he's, not. He's not. He's sleeping at his friend's house. As you should. He's I been, would be too. He's it's been so in... bloody hot outside. Well, yeah. yeah, he's been sleeping at his friend's house for for a week and a half. I'm surprised it hasn't been more. It's been like 109 for two months now. Yeah, it's been tough. <laughs> he has an air conditioner. He just doesn't turn it on. You got to save money where you can, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, got to go. Edie, everybody, listen to Send Help, please. Thank, thank you, man. Thank you guys for having me. Hey, beautiful human. Thank you so much for making it through our conversation with Edie. It really means a lot. Our music, available on Amazon Music. Give it a listen. And if you want to see a video of it, it's up on YouTube, Zach Sang Show. Just search it. We have videos of every single interview that we do. Woohoo. Please let us know who we should talk to next. That's Zach Sang Show on any form of social media. You suggest it, we'll handle the rest. Now please have a great day. Be safe. Hug your family if you can and do not go to jail. And keep listening to music because I'm telling you, it helps make the world go around. Alright, I'll talk to you soon. Peace and love. By the way, today's episode is made possible by a few incredible humans, including our executive producers, Michael D. Ratner, Scott Ratner, Dylan Martyr, Dan Zola, Joshua Rusak, and Olivia Rodensky. Our senior director, Toby Lawless. Our associate producers, Eve Bishop and Claudia Villarreal. Our music is by James Asciutto. Our editor is Camera Carlos Gomez. Our sound mixer is Daniel Chavez-Crook. Our post-production manager is Caroline Rude. And I'm your host and executive producer, Zach Sang. Thanks for hanging out with us today. I'll talk to you real soon.